0: Welcome to the Executive Minds Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Executive Minds Podcast. Uh, Kevin Jennings here with you. Uh, You can see we're doing something a little different around here. For those who are watching this, we actually have a video uh, going at the exact same time, trying to find new ways to bring value to you. As you can see our faces as well. Uh, But I'm joined today virtually as uh, we have now become accustomed to with my good friend David Farmer. David, thanks for hanging with me, buddy.
1: Kevin, as always it's great to be with you. Good to see your face.
0: Yeah man, it's a pleasure. It's been too long to be since we've been in person, but um I'm grateful for I actually I feel like it's been I've seen you all more recently. I feel like since we, it's been guaranteed since we do these uh virtually and so it's been great to have it.
1: Also love the mentor logo right over your head, I have to say. so.
0: Thank you. And thank you to your wife for this amazing gift. Um, I picked that out, by the way. <laughs> I picked that out. When people say, they're like, oh, David's wife got that for you. No. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? We're excited because you and Shane recently had a podcast come out about trade-offs. Um, and, and transparently speaking, I put that in my own personal notebook after that, that I want to practice the art of trade-offs, because I feel like I know there's, there's a lot of art and science to it, you both kind of described, and and for me coming up, for those who don't know, my second child will be born in October, and I remember the first time when Arden was born, my oldest was four, um, right at that time, my wife was pregnant, and in October of 2015, you fine gentlemen invited me to join you to, to a, a session with your executive coach. And it was the first time I had sat down and thought about my new my year in October. So we think about 2016 in October yeah. of 2015. And I remember, first of all, thinking, this is a secret of the elite. Yeah. I felt it. I felt it even this. I said, this is clearly a secret of the elite to put this much thought into a new year, you know, 12 weeks ahead of time. But one thing I knew, but my life was so intense coming out of that. Uh, with the new baby and all that, that I felt like I just kind of stumbled my way and, and really couldn't even implement what I learned until a full calendar year later. But what I would say is this, and that is I white knuckled my way through that experience. Uh, it was it was very much a just do whatever you must. Drink as many Red Bulls, drink all the coffee, sleep when you can, get the work done as you can, just do everything you can to make it go. And now in hindsight, I say, I would love to do something different this time. But yeah. the reality is if you're in this phase of life, You hear the principles that we share in this podcast about rituals, about rest, about reflection, taking days off. I mean, Jeff talks about scheduling time to just think every day in the morning. It's really easy, I think, to look at the three of you members of our team and say, what did they do when they were my age? What did they do when they were in my season of life, when they had you know, three and four elementary age or preschool age children and they were still trying to, you know, for lack of a better word, climb the ladder. And I think that I, what I'd love to do today is just say, let's let's take a we shared recently, but we recently re-aired our, our media reset episode. Right. And so we have this kind of reflective mindset. We talk about pivoting because of COVID. I mean so a lot of things require the leader, the person to go inward to then come back out. And some of you might feel like I don't have the time to go inward. That, 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 that's, they're my challenge. I don't. i not have the time. So once again, I'd love to talk about that today. hey okay, take take us back a little bit, and we're going to help today. Hopefully, help you start to right size best practices, right size best principles. When you hear people share these things that you know you should do and want to do, what does it look like to modify them for you based on your season of life? And so, David, first of all, I just thank you for being willing to kind of go back to those years mentally. I'm sure you're probably like, Oh my gosh.
1: I sit here thinking, oh, if I'd only known then what I know now. <laughs> All the things I do differently. Wow.
0: And honestly, that is exactly why I wanted this conversation. Yeah. Because I, I think there's a there's difference a, us saying, how do I grow my career versus saying, but how do I do it in a way that I won't regret?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: How do I do it in a way that is appropriate for what matters most long term? And my health. I mean, I mean, transparently, anybody who knows me, I've told this story before. When we, when Artem was born, I did all the nights. My wife was uh, battling with depression from postpartum, and she shared that story publicly. So it's not a secret. But I was doing all the nights by myself. I was doing all the diaper changes, all the midnight get-ups after working all day. And you fast forward. I think it was April or May. So about my daughter born in January. A coworker said, "How are you today?" This is a casual question. I broke down in tears in the office. It's like just sobbing, you know, and I was just so overwhelmed from how I was feeling. So once again, i love to start there. Let's start with what you were doing wrong. If you look back at the things David Farmer in that season of life, knowing what he knows now, like what what were just the blind spots that you just were missing and the questions you wish you were prompted with or just the blind spots you feel even a lot of young leaders are making? and they try to grow their careers in, in that season of life, that earlier phase, maybe young family?
1: Yeah, I would answer generally in this manner. We can kind of dig in deeper. I think I was very focused on doing and not mm-hmm. focused enough on being. Mm. And so the way that played out for me is um, pretty good with, I'll call it hard skills. Okay not as good, not where I needed to be relative to soft skills. Mm. Uh, so I, I mean, I got stuff done. I was mm. task oriented. I, um, I needed to grow as it related to soft skills relationships. And mm. so that doesn't mean I wasn't nice. I tried to sure. be nice, but I could have sure. an edge. I could have an edge. And, I think, honestly, the person that caught it the most was my wife, Mallory, mm. you know, because for some reason, we, 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 at least for me, I try to be on my best behavior, you know, when I'm at work or when I'm in public settings. But then you kind of let your guard down and she tends to catch you when you're not on your best behavior.
0: That's right. That's right. But
1: she would catch me. So I've had to grow a lot mm-hmm. relative to relational skills, emotional intelligence, The way that kind of shows up at work is how you build culture. How you develop people, essentially, how you go from thinking so much about yourself and thinking more about other people.
0: Mm. For for you, why is that so hard? Like, I mean, you know, like what what because once again, if for you to say that in hindsight, I, I believe you're from wrong. You're saying, Kevin, if I was being not just doing, I could still end up in the same place. And I think yeah. that, and I think, so in my mind, thinking about the story, I'm telling myself like, okay, I told myself if I don't do, I can't keep going, Yeah, you know? Um, and so why are young leaders, young, young aspiring executives, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, what, what are we missing sometimes in that connection, that being brings in value that would continue to propel us forward if we embraced it? You know, I think you come
1: out of school, perhaps you start your career and you're, worried a lot about making a name for yourself and mm-hmm. trying to trying to create momentum or you're starting a business uh, or a new role and you're trying to do the same thing, um, built your reputation. And so I, I think there's a, you can get very self focused when you do that. And mm-hmm. it, honestly, for me, it was just a matter of maturity as well. It, it takes more maturity to quit thinking about yourself so much and start focusing on other people. Um, You know, the founder of Chick-fil-A, where I work, often said if you help enough people get what they want, you'll ultimately get what you want, and he lived his life that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, he people think he was generous late in his life, and he was, but the truth is he was generous when he ran one restaurant and really didn't have all that many resources, and it was just a lifestyle choice for him. Mm -hmm. But I do think that's what ultimately led to his uh, success in large part, he did such a good job of helping other people and they rallied around him. And mm-hmm. so I've had to learn that lesson. I'm still learning that lesson. Yeah. Um, but I, but to answer your question, I think it, it's almost like we just feel like we have to kind of create our own momentum, at least with my personality, my orientation. That's kind of the way I approached it.
0: Well, I would imagine most people listening feel that way, right? I mean, if you, if you are saying you want to turn potential into high performance, you want to grow your career, I'm yeah. sure all of us have a bit toward doing, or all of us have a bit toward achievement, and sometimes maybe overly skewing our value on what we can accomplish and what we can achieve and not who we are. Yeah. And so I I'm totally I totally connect with that. I mean, one thing you all helped me learn a lot as far as the debrief, right? What went well, what didn't go well, what we do differently, right? Yeah. It's, it's, our, it's our debriefing methodology. Let's highlight, highlight what we're doing great, how it needs to be changed, and then let's just reassess how we can handle that in the future. Let's script out a different outcome. So if it comes again, we can recognize it and act differently. So so David Farmer, you know, 30, 30 years, 30 in his 30s with some small children, twenties small children, what would you do differently that you, when you talk about, you know, if you knew them, if you, knew them you know now?
1: Yeah, and I'll set it up by just saying I have three kids. The youngest just graduated from college, so they're all young adults now and and doing well. I I can say I prioritized my family all along, Mm -hmm. so I did not kind of leave my family and the care for my family to my wife and just focused on my career. I can it's so it's just so bad, but I can remember I, I tried to coach my boys, you know, sports team. I can remember leaving the office. On the perimeter highway in Atlanta, I two eighty five, and while I'm driving, changing into my clothes to go coach their team in the car, <laughs> I'm like, it's really bad. You know, you're not even supposed to touch your phone now, and I'm, I'm literally changing my pants in the car. So it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> but I, so you know, you go through seasons, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to miss any of that. So I was willing to hustle. I was willing to put in the extra effort to be there for them. So that that's that's a good part. I will say this. I do think we go through seasons, and as it relates to your kids, some seasons are definitely harder than others. Mm-hmm. And that means as you think about kind of your holistic game plan, meaning your work, your family, your overall well-being, your your hobbies and things, you'll have mm-hmm. to – you reference trade-offs at the beginning of this. You'll have to make some. An example is I have come to enjoy playing golf, and I, I play golf now. I never did that back then. Mm. That would have eaten up way too much time. I didn't have time for that. I chose to take that time and put it towards spending time with my kids and family. Now, there's some things I definitely did for me. I, you know, I, I prioritize exercise and working out, but I didn't have as many personal hobbies that I got to run down at that point. Not as many as I'm able to pursue now.
0: Sure. So, so we're talking about as, far as going well, and I was the prior, having priorities. Period. Yep. And, then, and then prioritizing your family and being willing to kind of hustle up in those seasons. So what, what would you say, when you talk about what, as far as the being versus doing, was there anything else you would say when you look back at that debrief and say, you yeah. do circumstantial. You know, like, that just didn't go well. Like, that just, like, if I could, like, when I think about this, things I just didn't do well, high level, they would have been, you know, I'll say doing versus being. So something else is kind of rise to the top of your mind, or you might see, you might see a lot of leaders who you are on your team or mentor, kind of show up in their lives as well? Uh, I don't
1: think I was intentional about developing people uh, mm. like I, I needed to be. And, of course, that's a lot of what we're trying to do right now. So that's why I have pivoted so much mm. in my um, responsibility day-to-day at work, but also in some of the things I choose to do from a volunteer standpoint mm. and and try to give back, try to coach, try to mentor, try to help. So yeah. that, I think that was a weak spot for me. Um, in the early stages of my uh, my professional life. And and just, just wasn't my focus. Too much about me. Uh, you know, you're kind of just trying to survive.
0: I was going to say that. I, I was I to it sounds like, but for P.S., count me in that boat of people who, I, I'm, and I'm people-oriented, actually. I'm, I'm people-oriented, but I'm also so achievement-focused. I do not like giving up the opportunity for my objective to be met for the sake of a person. So I'm like, people, 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 oh, you're going to stop the, a goal? Okay, I'm going to have to move you out the way. <laughs> and even though I don't think I've hurt lots of people in that process, it's more the idea of saying, I'm so locked in on me that I don't even recognize what's going on to the right of me or left of me.
1: got I share a little quick anecdote? My oh, wife please. and I were talking about someone recently And I kind of had a negative reaction to that person. And Mm. she's kind of like, what's up with that? I started thinking about it. And I realized I have never seen this person do anything that wasn't ultimately just for them. Mm. You know, uh, no act of service. It's almost like they were always sort of conniving to make sure they won. The the whole idea Mm. of a win-win or just do something as a random act of kindness or out of humility. I just haven't seen them. And I I realized it just left me with a really bad taste in my mouth Mm -hmm. relative to that individual. And that may sound harsh and judgmental, and and that may be a character flaw in and of itself, but if I'm being transparent, that's what I was feeling. But that might have been me back in the day, too.
0: Well, and I think think that's my point. I think that maybe we're listening to this podcast, the hard part about the transition into the young family phase if we've done a really good job prioritizing our ambitions. And now there are things in our life that trump them so exponentially. There's a full-fledged reset going on in your life and in your, really in your mind more um, than anything, right? It's the, the extra time you used to spend outside of work thinking about work to get that extra edge has yeah. to be spent thinking about how you're going to develop your kids, strengthen your marriage, take care of your health, you know, like... You, Thing, you know, making sure that there's a will for your family if you don't yeah. have <laughs> Just things you – the mental energy that you used to kind of hold for that extra two or three hours of thinking time, um, you got to redistribute or, or really let it go all, all together.
1: Well, I was going to say, I, I think a fallacy that I had, and maybe some of our listeners have it, is that's what you do later. Mm. And so what I would challenge is, and say is maybe the mix shifts over time, but I don't think you're ever too young, or it's ever too early in your career or in a new role to start figuring out how can I give back, or how can mm. I invest in others? How can I get outside myself? I just think we're so much healthier when we get outside of ourselves. Mm. Don't think that's for later in life.
0: Well, no, I'm going to get guilty of that, right? This you have to plan your quote unquote, you know, uh, Rockefeller moments when you start changing the world after you you've you've done a couple other things underhanded to get there. So out of curiosity, let's let's kind of close that debrief. What would you have done differently when you look back say, holistically? Okay, these are the things, if I could replace any situation in my mind or even just that season, what I've done differently? And feel free to get as tactical as you want. Like, okay, I would've done my morning routine different, or I would've done, you know, so feel free to get as tactical and maybe even theoretical and philosophical as you like.
1: Yep, I, I think if you do an audit of your life, You probably have to dial back a little of the time you spend on yourself. It doesn't, you you definitely have to take care of yourself. You know, one, one concept is if you're not healthy, you're not going to have much to give to anybody else. So you definitely have to take care of yourself. So, I mean, that, that involves for me, physical disciplines, uh, spiritual disciplines. Um, however, I could dial up blocks of time where I'm just giving of myself to somebody else. I'm just, it could be as simple as I'm just going to go help somebody with a project. You know, mm. they may you know, they may have a, a home project where they need help, or I'm just going to go visit a family member and check in on them, or call my parents, or whatever mm. it may be. But mm. it's not about me deriving some immediate benefit, but it's really me caring about somebody else's need um, more than my own in that moment, and I needed to. I mean, I'm really disciplined about thinking about how I spend time. I, I would allocate more time to those activities.
0: Wow, that's good. One of the things I, I, I selfishly wanted to ask you and feel free to say I don't remember, but it was a week in the life, right? I said I know enough about you to know you've been a disciplined man for a lot long for, for a long time. Um, and so so structure and precision is a big part of who you are which makes me even wonder how you are able to operate like this with the natural chaos of children, right? Yep. Somebody wakes up with a fever. Somebody wakes up sick. One person got to get hit from school. Somebody going to a friend's house. You have multiple kids. One kid over here, some hours taking care of one person. You're just the, just the natural order of life at that stage, and yet your structured nature, I'm sure there's tension there a ton, but I'm curious, like even a week in the of life, okay, Success rituals. We talk about that here. We talk about rest, reflection. What does that look like, right sized to to that earlier season of life? I'm sorry, to that season of life where there, there are young children involved or even teenagers involved. How do you right size those principles? And what, maybe what are some things you did or seen, seen some of your other friends and peers do that worked?
1: Well, I'm going to give you two concepts. Um, I'm going to tell you something practically that I wish I did earlier in life that I do now. And then we kind of come back and generally talk about systems a little bit, but I always saw myself as sort of a a late night person and not an early morning person, which Mm. meant I wasn't, I was getting up just in time to kind of start my day with work and wasn't knocking out a lot of the personal things I needed to do early in the morning. Mm. Now I'm at a place where I'm more of a morning person. I get up early, I knock my stuff out. So it doesn't, I'm not doing it at anybody else's expense. You know, I just Mm -hmm. have to discipline myself to go to bed at a decent hour so I can get up early. And that frees me up to be available and to be present for other people at the end of the day Mm -hmm. and to have more flexibility. And I think earlier on, I used a lot of that time in the afternoon, evening, dinner time uh, on myself. And one of the things Mallory helped me understand, the hardest hour of the day was around dinner time. And if I'd been less selfish, I would have gotten my stuff out of the way there to help with family stuff, kids, you know, dinner, all of that at what was arguably the toughest hour of the day for her. So all that, that that's, I would say it's not like an absolute, but you'll find many, 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 maybe a vast majority of successful people start their day early. Maybe you're in an industry it just doesn't work that way. You know, it's all about late at night. But if you can get your stuff done early and out of the way to free yourself up to focus on others later, I think it helps. That's that's kind of one of the things I wish I had figured out at an earlier stage in life.
0: So how, how early do you get up now? Just curious.
1: Well, it's I will say one of the benefits of COVID is I don't have an hour to an hour and 15 minute commute every day. So it helps me a little bit. But I was getting up about 515 to 5.30 every morning to kind of go through what, uh, and I'm, I'm this is what Tommy Newberry uh, taught me, early morning success ritual, where you just kind of script everything you need to kind of get done in the morning to get that started. I can buy a little more time now and you know start that later, six o'clock, something like that. But I still got about a two and a half hour process I try to go through before I officially start my work day and I knock a lot of stuff out. I referenced Tommy I first started working with him probably about 25 years ago mm. and he just drilled into us. It's a lot of process, but the things you do, the structure that you create in order to, the, the, the habits you build that are going to increase the likelihood that you're successful in whatever you feel led to do. And um, I got to thank David Sayers because he was, he was kind of a mentor and a leader for me and thank he's you. the one that got me in that program. And um, that was just a wonderful gift that he gave me. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, off and on, worked with Tommy over 25 years, probably now, uh, having him speak a lot of good truth into my life.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So, so, so you start about getting up early. as one of the things you like, hey, I can do it differently. I'll start doing that earlier. Use my mornings to be, to, not, and i say selfish, but to take care of myself. So, yep. so, so, so for the rest of the day, I'm going to give to everybody else, but more importantly, the time that my family most needs me, the evenings, I am available for the hardest hours of the day, or my spouse needs me the most, my kids need me the most. First of all, I love that. What's something else that just sticks out to something you might have done differently, knowing what you know now?
1: Yeah, I think anytime you can look way out into the future and imagine what you want to be true in the future, and then back it up and figure out, so what should I start to do today? to get there and recognize there's an enormous value and just little by little chipping away at it, seeing things accumulate. It's sort of like the power of compounding that we hear about so much relative to finances, but it applies in other areas of life as well. So I'll give you an example. Mallory and I, as soon as we got married, said, we're going to give. We choose to give from the very beginning when we didn't have nearly as much as we have today. Mm -hmm. But that has been a discipline that we committed to because that's who we decided we wanted to be. And so that has continued Mm. and it it sort of becomes a norm. I was committed to exercise. Now that's evolved over time. I used to run all the time. I mean, did a lot of running and did other things too. I don't do as much running now. I do a lot of other things, but that discipline uh, has stuck with me. And so a lot of times Mm. when I'm thinking about working out, It's not just what am I getting done right now? It's the cumulative effect of doing this little by little over the course of time, Mm. trying to be a learner. I think I ultimately got to a point where I did want to find places in which I could volunteer. So I got on some boards and just started um, serving in different capacities. Mm. Financially, early on, try to go find people that knew more about finances than I did and basically Built my own virtual family office with somebody that mm. coach me up on investing and insurance and estate issues and all of that good stuff. And, and so we tried to start saving little by little by little, you know, and over time, what's hard gets easy or easier mm. uh, it's time investing in your um, in the important relationships. You know, the most important relationship I have is with Mallory. So a regular dose of, of date nights. It does not have to be perfect. It does not have to be, you know, Instagram worthy all the time. Just right. keep chipping. just <laughs> just keep chipping away at it. You know, make mm. little deposits, make little deposits, but don't think I'll do that one day. Mm. Do not do not defer. Uh, mm. Start making deposits in the important things now, and you have to just sit. Which speaks to the whole idea: you got to go through the exercise of figuring out what's important. Who do you want to be? You know, what are your values? And then this some people struggle with this, but how do you translate that into goals and a, a life plan, basically?
0: Well, you well, first of all, I literally you the word life plan literally went off in my head like those last few sentences. So um my mentor, Brian Miles of Belay, who've been on yep. this podcast before, he had us write our own eulogy. So I wrote my first eulogy for myself a little over a year and a half ago. And first of all, the exercise, he made us he made us keep it short. Okay, because he's a man of brevity. uh, So we only write the page. I went back and revisited it at the top of the year. It's longer than the page now. <laughs> but the key thing is, it was a kickstart of life planning process. And I didn't have, I did, I my life plan still incomplete, still working on it, just being transparent. But I'm halfway through it. And that has been the most enlightening process to say, one of the things I think we don't do early in as young professionals is create a life plan. And I think the we think life plan means I have to know where I, live, where I want to live, what kind job I want to do for a living, what kind of car I want to drive, and I, that's actually not a life plan at all. Yep. The life plan is beginning to the end in mind. It is what will matter when you die. What will matter to you? What do you want to be true about your life when everything else is over? And we all know those things typically are not the car you drove, you know. And so if you're clear on the things, to David's point that matter most. What you've done is you've created um, an amb- an ambition filtration system, right? You can say, that's some of the cool idea, be fun to do it, doesn't fit the filter. And I think what we have, one of the things I personally have gleaned watching you and Jeff and Shane and many others is they have a tight filtration system that we don't know about, but it makes the trade-offs faster. If I had, a, we had a dollar, for every time one of us is canceled, canceled on joining a mentor meeting for a family issue, we we buy a decent meal at this
1: point. Yep, for sure.
0: We get we get a decent meal, but the thing is, there's no matter what happens, no matter how lasting the, the cancellation, there's always affirmation from the team. Yep. Because no one wants to ever do anything that goes against the values of family.
1: I would say if you're in a role where people don't respect your values and your priorities start figuring out how you get out of that role. Yeah. Cause that's not going to end well.
0: It's funny. Well, I, I have a, a friend uh, who is an executive who is unmarried, has no children. And he openly told me, I hire young professionals with no children, no spouse, because I have no children, no spouse. And I know, boy, I work, work is, what I, is my main thing. And I, other than my team, that's their main thing right now. I don't agree with that personally.
1: Yeah, he's just using them.
0: I, exactly, and and, and 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 there's an awareness of the of that using that doesn't sit well, right? Yep. This idea that I can make those decisions with the intent of going intent to take advantage of your extra capacity, your life, where you should be nurturing yourself, nurturing relationships. I'm going to suck that out of you, and that's my plan. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I think that's, and I think that's the corporate setting that a lot of people come from, which is why this conversation is so important. So, if there's anything I, I would process, is a life plan because that, to David's point, compound interest doesn't have much value. Well, for compound interest is happening regardless. If you have, if you're making a deposit somewhere, yeah. The question is, are you putting a deposit in the accounts so you want money to be in when you want to withdraw?
1: That's
0: and right. So, so, so why are you doing this every day? I'm getting compound interest. If, you know, if I work on a radio, I'm getting compound interest. If I spend time with my wife, I'm getting compound interest. If I, if I skip out on the family, there's compound interest on that too, whether it be deterioration of a relationship and maybe growth in my career. But so, so it's going to happen. The key thing is, are you deciding where that energy is going so that over time, those are my accounts in your life that are gaining interest.
1: Yeah. it's so funny you talk about the life plan and, and what you did with Brian Miles. Jeff and Kevin and I led a group that we um, kind of kicked up. It's sort of like a large accountability group. And I was responsible for a life plan exercise one day. So I had the great idea to take everybody to a cemetery and have them <laughs> sit down at the cemetery and do that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it was my finest moment, but we went and the whole point was to try to force younger people to think about uh, the end of their life and work backwards. But. If you need it, go sit in the cemetery and remind yourself you're mortal. What do you want your life to to be about?
0: Out of curiosity, what what year, how old were you when you were your first life plan?
1: I've always had a propensity to set goals, but to actually think about a life plan. And again, it's probably because David Sayers took me to see Tommy Newberry, and I would have been probably late 20s.
0: To me, I love that because I think that is what most of us don't recognize. And I'm trying to, I'm just here to dissect what I see, right? Well, many of us look at people like David, Shane, Jeff, and others that we might see and aspire to that seem to have it quote unquote all together. They're successful at work. They're healthy physically. They're engaged with their families. And you say to yourself, how do they get it all done? They're leading teams of 50, 60 people. And it's because once again, they already pre-established the priorities. We don't know them, right? And And so they're, they're trading off something we don't know. What the trade off is that's one. Two, life planning is compound interest. Yeah, because the clarity you get gets sharper over time. Things that you know you're making tweaks all the time to, but you're but you're doing it from a base of something. Yep. And I think people, the people I've seen who are who seem to be more fulfilled and well-rounded at earlier ages, is because the life planning process started earlier. Hey, can I tell you something? Please.
1: If people would spend less time designing their social media pages and start designing their real life, oh my gosh, uh, mm. the the results they would see. And, and give yourself permission. It's not going to play out the way you draw it up in a plan on paper or on your laptop. It won't. Right. But you'll be so much closer. You will be so much further ahead as a result of having thought about it, having the discipline to sort of be intentional, figuring out a way to sort of chunk it down and bite off a little bit of a time, you'll be so much further ahead. But but I think people play around with the image of what they want to be and right. they don't focus on really the, the hard work, the heavy lifting you got to do to actually become that person. Right. Get off the superficial stuff, get real.
0: Indeed, for sure. And actually, so, so I, think, I think it's a really great way to close it, right? I think at the end of the day, once again, I think, you know, first of all, Dave, I, I want to thank you for sharing this stuff about, you know, like deciding how we can make small deposits. Because I think this is a big thing. I'm, that's what I'm taking with myself. Selfishly right I'm like, Kevin, you have you you two want the two and a half hour morning ritual <laughs> that does not exist in this season of life. Yeah. But to say you don't have 20 minutes, that's a lie.
1: Yeah, exactly. That,
0: that, that's not true. Just getting up or just getting up half an hour earlier than your family would guarantee at least half an hour. Yeah. And, and so, or you know, to say, it's when you do have that break at your job, or you take that kind of mental health break between tasks, don't check the ESPN stats. Journal for 15 minutes at your desk. Yeah. You know, like like, like there's so many things. There's so many, the lead calls it, t- my wife calls it, tiny time that kind of shows up these little blips that we just misuse. Because, but, but in this phase of life, that's the thing with the steward, is the little blips, because that might be all you have. Yep. And so and so, I think that's one thing for sure I want to just challenge everybody to do is to say, let's take away from that. What, what can we do from these big principles and start them? What, what is the starting line for us that might be the 10-minute, the, the 15-minute, 30-minute thing that allows us to make a deposit where we want to go long-term? Because, once again, it's an investment with compound interest, and I love that uh, that imagery.
1: Uh, okay. Can I give you please. two final thoughts? Oh, yes, sir, please. Kind of building on that. So uh, it's almost to your point, one size is not that all. So if if it's two and a half hours for me, it may not be that for somebody else, which is fine. You know, we're in different places, different circumstances. And, and what's right for you will evolve over time as your circumstances and even your seasons come and go. Uh, however, here's my last thought. Don't find yourself rationalizing why you're not doing what you can do. Mm. And sit down and have an honest conversation. You don't with yourself. You don't have to involve anybody else. Just sit down and do a little bit of an audit of your life. Break it into pieces. What part's going well? What's not? Where are you? Just not who you want to be. And um, one of the expressions I, I reference it a lot, but I love it. I think Henry Cloud said it. But recognize you are ridiculously in charge of you. Be honest with yourself. Stop lying to yourself. Stop rationalizing why you're not becoming who you ultimately feel like you've been called to become.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, David, again, man, thank you for doing that. Because I know that sometimes some of the uh, people we respect, they have a little bit of PTSD about the past. So when you bring it up, they're like, oh, I just got through it. I'm like, you did something. Uh, So I appreciate you just being transparent with us. And I want to thank you for listening to this podcast and maybe even watching the video, wherever you are. We are committed to you not journeying your career and your path alone. We understand when you go get a job, it really isn't your job's responsibility to develop you. It's great they do. It's fantastic they take the initiative, but they're paying you to bring you. And so the value that they're paying for is the value you showed up with. And so we understand that you might have to go somewhere else and get that development. Because they just need you to show up and produce what they're paying you to produce today. Um, and so we also know that to do that needs an outside perspective, right? Um, and so that's why we've created the Mentor Network. Uh, the Mentor Network is a lot like a mentor in your pocket. Um, we're trying to give you the core components that we as a team believe you need to be mentored, that means you have to get some advice and counsel that's, that's kind of customized to you. So you can ask your questions in that network. You need great inputs, information, things that you don't know what you don't know. So that's why we're gonna give you daily video tips and, and articles and podcasts and blog posts that you may not know you need, but it's the information that's gonna help you shine a light on what's ahead. So you can actually get that extra edge. And then we're gonna give you that community and some, and some, and some deeper dives uh, with the people who are already in the network, but also other mentors will have join in and answer questions and do webinars with you from time to time. And so we really believe that you have the opportunity to turn your potential into high performance. So we'd love for you to check us out. If you go to wearementor.co forward slash network, wearementor.co forward slash network, you can sign up for a 30 day free trial and guess what? Just the price of two coffees. All right. So you want to get that mentor to take another coffee? Take an entire team of mentors out to a coffee by joining we uh, joining the Mentor Network today. And with that, subscribe to the podcast. We want them to help you grow on the go. So if you ever get your podcast, we are already there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you enjoy your stuff, we are there. So subscribe to Executive Minds. And uh, we look forward to having you join us next time here on the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Executive Minds podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on Apple podcasts or follow us on Spotify for more show notes and helpful resources, visit executiveminds.co that's executiveminds.co.